Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Said Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak to industry experts about the changing landscape of marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Kantar. I'm Seth Rogan, Associate Fellow, Said Business School. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. I'm delighted to say that our guest today is Kyoko Matsushita, who is global CEO at Essence. And for those of you who don't know, Essence is part of Group M, which is part of WPP. So welcome, Kyoko. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. So Kyoko, you've been at Essence a few years now. Tell us about what you were doing before your current role. I have been with Essence for actually the company itself for about seven years now, but I've been in this role of running the agency globally for about a year and a half. Uh, I was hired um, when I was uh, working in London back in 2014, and Essence was looking to scale and expand business in Asia Pacific. I had been away from Asia for over a decade, so I was a little bit out of touch with the, the region itself, but... It was an exciting brief. Actually, there was no uh, job description for the role that I was interviewing with Essence. I mean, it was the, one of the best interviews I've ever had. And the brief from my boss then, and also still my boss, Christian Joel, um, he's now the CEO of Group M, was Kyoko, we really have an opportunity to grow in Asia Pacific and really want you to go there and identify opportunities, work with clients that we have today, but also with new business. And that was really the way I joined Essence. And yeah, it went really fast. I was there nearly five and a half years. And we set up our offices in nine markets, 11 offices. And yeah, a year and a half ago, I came to the Bay Area to San Francisco run Essence. Kyoko, I find your background so fascinating, your path to this role of leadership in advertising, as we are learning from industries far beyond the standard of marketing. You bring years of experience in the game industry, which has become so important to understanding different kinds of engagement and driving so much consumer behavior. What can we as marketers learn from your history and your experience in the gaming community? 
Yes, I've spent probably a decade in the gaming industry and I'm glad I did. I can apply a lot of my experience and learnings from there into what I do today um, in the media and advertising space. There are also things that I can impart knowledge to the gaming industry as well. I think some of the things that I can I think about is, first of all, in gaming, releasing a game is just the beginning. Actually, the whole journey starts connecting with customers or players when you release the game. And you normally don't release the finished game. You release a game that is not quite finished so that you can actually get feedback from customers to improve the games. And also by looking at the real-time data of customer engagement, where people drop off in playing game, where people stop actually paying if it's a premium game where there's microtransaction in the game, where do people stop paying? You know, Where do people stop playing? And you really analyze and you continue to improve the game itself. And you can change price points as well based on the customer experiences uh, in the game. So that type of real-time analysis based on the players' movements or player, how players play the games really was critical in the, the success of gaming business performance in general. And I think advertising can learn a lot from that too, that in the past, it was about getting the TV ads out or out of home and print you know, in market, and that was it. But right now, as we all know, everything starts once you get the video out there and you look at the traction of the people. How long do you get the engagement? What are they actually interested in? And you continue to analyze that and really pivot to things that really work and resonate with the customers. So there's that commonality there. I think in gaming world, clearly it was already in the early days that you know we, we learned that. So we can definitely apply that and really look at average revenue per user, for example, is one of the key metrics in the gaming industry. I think similarly in the world of advertising and engagement, we should be looking at that. Not just like a one-off here, they clicked and that's it, and you got them to the website. It's about how do you continue to engage, respect the customers, and continue to engage with customers. I think that philosophy and that principle applies to advertising and communication space as much as the gaming space. Another thing I think I just mentioned by related is it's not about get the product out and it's finished. It's always about improving, evolving your product. And I think that goes for clients' products too nowadays, especially the businesses that are more in the new economy where everything is digital already. Their products are in the digital space, but also how they engage with customers in that space too. So I think that culture of experimentation, the culture of really doing smart and good trial and error initiatives before you scale business, I think is, is a key for success. And I think a lot of companies are already doing that. And I really hope to see more as uh, we work with clients because nowadays it's really important that you get the feedback from customers and engage them along the way on the journey of building your product. So yeah, I learned a lot in the gaming space. It was a tough, intense, uh, very intense uh, space as well, but it's booming. I think there are a lot of um, evolution happening also in the gaming space, which I'm really excited about. Essence is the original digital first agency. And we know from research at Kantar, there's a lot going on in the digital world. There's increased spend on digital channels in almost every single market across the whole world. And in many markets, digital is the large majority of advertising and media spend. And we also know there's a lot of action going on with things like the deprecation of cookies, for example. So digital is where all, all the action is. How does Essence stay ahead of the game? Lots have happened in the past 10 years, let's say. When Essence started, it was founded in 2005. That digital ecosystem was very, uh, very new and it was nascent. And 
lot of things, fundamentals needed to be in place about making sure that you deliver brand safety when you get the ads out, or, you know, there are a lot of frauds like frequency capping. You needed to make sure that you don't overexpose people unnecessarily with a lot of advertising and same ads. And that was a negative uh, experience for a lot of the customers. So in, back in those days, when Essence also started, we were really spearheading in putting the infrastructure as well as best practices to make the digital ecosystem a more organized in a more transparent space. So in early days, actually from day one, Essence, we had our proprietary tools around brand safety, frequency capping, and really running campaign analytics to ensure that clients had visibility on what was going on and what the return of you know, investment was in the digital space. But fast forward, definitely the ecosystem has matured. There are a lot of ad tech products also being introduced. So Essence very much focused and doubled down on our core expertise, which is in data analytics and technology to really continue to help unlock growth and performance for brands. So we really shifted a lot, a lot more towards measurement and that didn't limit us only in the digital space, but really in a larger marketing uh, sense as well and looking at how advertising impact retail environment. And more recently, how does that link and impact you know, e-commerce and purchases on online sites and online stores of a lot of the, the brands? So we've shifted to that. And right now we are very much pivoting to bringing media, analytics, and creative really closer together. And that's what marketers are looking for. We hear that a lot from clients that as much as they appreciate the expertise of media, in the smart ways of getting the messages out in the most efficient and effective way. They're also equally working on how do we make the brands more meaningful and experiences more relevant for consumers. So our job is to really use data to unlock the insights about consumers, but also use that to really help deliver great creative experiences for consumers. I find that fascinating. If you think of the way that you're bringing this sense of accountability and credibility, the numbers are driving the story at the same time as the creativity and essence has always had that leadership space since its founding and having had such experience in the asian market what can the rest of the world be learning from what's happening in asia right now i feel as though it more and more this market is leading the way in innovation and technology but also in understanding the science and the connection with consumers Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Asia is definitely dynamic and you cannot say Asia is one way because there are a lot of countries, of course, within the region and you cannot talk about growth without talking about APAC. And when you talk about APAC, you can't talk about it without talking about the growth opportunities, especially in markets like 
China and India, but for example, Indonesia is another big market where we're expecting a lot of growth. So Asia has a lot of things to offer, but at the same time, it's I don't think it's about one region sharing the, the other region, what, something that you can learn from. It's more that it's really becoming global in the way consumers behave and the way they consume things too, like from data researching, they can access data globally. So really we're you know dealing with global audiences and marketers would need to continue to evolve and think about how they can engage with them. I think it's extremely important that brands remain consistent because just to give you an example, when I was managing you know luxury brand in Japan and it was for the Japanese market, it was not only targeting the Japanese audience, it was about inbound, outbound. So there are a lot of Chinese customers coming to Japan purchasing products in Japan. And Japanese people, for example, purchase a lot of the Korean cosmetic products directly from the Korean sites for various reasons. It's probably more price competitive, but there are more product lineups, you know, that you can access and you can some things are not available in Japan. So the consumers that are not limited to like borders of the market, they actually research in one way, but they also purchase in a different place. So I think it's extremely important. And APAC in that sense is very dynamic. You can go obviously from one country to another very easily, kind of like more like Europe. So you need to think and take these things into consideration. And I think it's really exciting because that gives marketers as well as like agencies like ourselves, smart ways to learn quickly and trial and error. You learn quickly and you look at real-time impact on the business and you can pivot to things that work. So talking about global consumers, you run a, a global agency. How do you make sure that you can run a global agency that has a presence in many different markets, but you can still be nimble or agile and, and move quickly to respond and anticipate trends? Yes, in my early days of career, I had the image of a global company to be always big with like an impressive HQ based in uh, New York or London. But today, global business can be successfully managed and set up without being so big. And probably it helps with the overhead as well by not being so big, you know, with the great help from technology and flexible talent. When it comes to being nimble and being, you know, being able to move quickly, I think generally a smaller organization is more agile, but I think there are some things, you know, that comes to mind that are critical in running an agile global company and agile global business. And first thing is really having a clear mission as a global company, why we do what we do. I mean, that's definitely something any business would need, global or local, but extremely important when you operate as a global company, that that is a shared thing. And the second one is a unified culture that bring and bind people together. We have what we call, in essence, essence behaviors, and it's really the organizational principle in the way we interact with each other, but also in the way we would uh, work with business partners as well. I think that culture is important, while the national culture is, of course, different by Mark, and it's great that we celebrate that difference. Third is really having, you know, differentiating agency capabilities. That, again, goes for beyond media agency, but what are your capabilities that are competitive in the marketplace, and why should the client be working with you? You can say that you have analytics capability or data science capability, but what is it that exactly that you can help them solve their problems? You need to go deeper. You need to be able to go deeper into talking about that with clients on a global scale. And fourth one is, and it's a tough one, but if you want to be agile and you know be able to move quickly, you need to really have a simple operating model. I think we sometimes get in the way of complicating our own organizational process and structure, and that slows things down. So got to review on a regular basis, 
is this really the way we should be setting up to meet the business needs? A lot of business decisions need to be made much faster, whether it's about hiring or where to invest your marketing dollars. It takes too long for decisions to be made. So that actually starts with how do you operate as a company? So simple, a simple operating model would be critical. And the last but not least is have really empowered people in, in every part of your organization. When people are motivated and when, when people feel focused and enjoy what they do, you know, you have a really high performance team. So to me, that's a, that's a key and a secret to really having a high performing global organization. I think that comes across very well when you're working with Essence from the media side. That partnership, that sense of ownership within your team comes through very clearly. As you're working with media companies now, and you touched on this a bit before, do you see the media platforms as your partner? Or do you see them becoming tech companies, particularly as the world of cookies is changing and data is changing? Yes, I think all companies are tech companies now, and it doesn't mean that you have to always build your proprietary tools or solutions for everything, but it means that you have to have technology at the heart of your business, and you have to have knowledge, you have to have skills, skills to use them, and really have point of views on products, um, and those are really critical. In essence, we're very active in the tech space, but also very selective as to when we do what. I see Essence as a developer. I see Essence also as a partner and I see Essence as a connector and I can explain a little bit on each. So I see Essence as a developer in a sense that we do build. And I think I've mentioned earlier that from early days, we've built our own proprietary tools to make advertising more valuable in the world. And really that helped to establish this digital ecosystem together with many other partners. So we believe in you know, developing products that are relevant and needed for the business. But also increasingly, it's important that you know these things are developed centrally, but also at the enterprise level. And we have Group M as our mother company, and they're really taking charge and leading charge in developing these product solutions, which I think is exciting. Second is that we are a partner to various ad tech and uh, platform companies. And we really ensure that every employees who are working on the media business to have um, certifications. It's extremely important that our people have consistent standards in the way in which we manage technology. So it's about the skill sets. So we are a partner to the tech companies or at platform companies. And the last is we are also a connector. When I, what I mean by that is there are a lot of technology that can come together, whether it's to really look at measurement or it's really to do something innovative, you know, to bring media and creative together. And we are also a connector of those companies and so that we can do something engaging, interesting, and deliver that um, experience that consumers would enjoy. In some ways, as, as you say, you've been a partner with the media business. Many other parts of the advertising community have progressed better in terms of finding gender balance, but all of the industry is still a bit behind where we'd like to see it. Knowing that the media business is still so male-dominated, what would your advice be for anyone looking to progress in this career? We've made some progress, but as you say, Seth, I, I don't think it's moving fast enough. And I think in the higher organizational positions, like in the management positions, there are not enough women present and we lose them. Uh, we lose too many women and really need to help more you know, women stay in the workforce and advance in leadership positions. For me, really, I've participated a lot in talking about women in leadership. My advice would be quite simple. There are two things that I want to share. One is First of all, whether men or women, but do something that you feel passionate about as you'll naturally be motivated, focused, and you'll deliver great work and outcomes. And when you do that, you will advance in your career. They will see that. It's the actions that speak. So do something that you feel passionate about and what you're good at. 
second is stay true to yourself and build your allyship. Sometimes I realize that I'm the minority in a room, like I'm the only woman in a room, or I'm the only person from underrepresented group in the room. In that kind of situation, actually be true to yourself. You don't need to change yourself. You don't need to conform to the ways of being or doing things just because you're the only person who's different, who looks different, or you know, come from a different background. Actually embrace it, celebrate it, and be confident about it. And I think that goes to women, but also to different group of people who have experienced these things in the past. There are lots of things that a CEO needs to be concerned about nowadays. And one of them is sustainability and the environment. We know from some recent Kantar research that actually 88% of consumers want brands to help them be more sustainable. So what can you do? What can Essence do to support sustainability? It is incredibly concerning. And just last week, the UN issued its most recent assessment saying that we're way off track on net zero emission, and we need to be far more ambitious. You know, there are a lot of commitments coming across from government, business, investors, cities and regions and like civil society. So I think it's a great thing. And really, it's a hands on deck situation. Marketers have a big, big role to play. At Essence, uh, recently, we began to introduce a carbon calculator um, into our media planning. So this allows us to understand the carbon footprint of our media plans and allow our clients to choose the most carbon conscious route to achieving their marketing goals. It's the beginning, and I know that we, can, we will continue to evolve this, but this is an important part of our journey. And also in the um, research that we did in predicting the future of advertising 2030, really it confirmed that the scenario that they thought would most likely would happen is that environmental impact would be as important as price in consumer purchase decisions by 2030. So I think it shows that it's uh, the importance of companies to continue to stand behind these initiatives. You mentioned the report advertising in 2030. I was uh, lucky enough to be invited to be a contributor for that report. And um, a lot of the topics that were being covered in that report seemed to me to be accelerated because of the pandemic. So I'm wondering what the highlights from that report were for you. Yes, we run the the research initially pre-COVID, as you said, and pandemic hit. So we met, we met with all the contributors. Thank you for contributing. And yeah, it was really interesting. Some things didn't change. Things like the use of biometric data, you know, things will become more virtual in terms of how we work will be more in a virtual environment using technology and really subscription-based e-commerce business would accelerate. These things didn't change from the first research to the second. But the part that, well, that was interesting for us was we found out that the pandemic really had accelerated the trends that favor large companies uh, and platforms and increasing marketing uh, complexity. So the big companies will get bigger or stronger and other companies you know, that are either starting up with high potential would really need to figure out how to either work with those big companies or really establish their own ground with big companies around them. So quite interesting. What does that mean? I think there are different ways to approach it, but it's, it was an interesting finding for me to also uh, read and you know understand that bigger companies are there to stay and a lot of companies to think about the strategy forward in the next uh, 10 years. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Said Business School. 
For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com or OxfordFutureOfMarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you never miss an episode. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.